Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to the Legends Lounge. I'm Trill Withers, and with me in the lounge today, he was a former Douglas County High Tiger. He was an Atlanta Hawk and New Jersey Net. He's currently the director of Off the Court for the NBPA. We got Mario West in the house. First things first, thank you for joining us, man. How are you? Man, doing well, man. Happy Thursday. Uh, grateful to have this opportunity, man, to sit in the studio with you, man. We appreciate you. Uh, I got to ask before we even get to your career, I know you've been keeping up with some of this, the NBA offseason happenings and trades, right? So what do you make? Damian Lillard is now a Milwaukee Buck. What do you make of that? I mean, I love it. Honestly, man, I think Dame has, you know, given all that he could, you know what I'm saying, to the city and, and to the team and to the organization. I mean, obviously – you know, you know, it's tough either way, right? It's tough if you stay because I think he's probably one of the most loyal guys. I mean, I personally actually had conversations with him and just a huge fan, you know, for him. But, you know, he's getting older. You know what I'm saying? The hunger's still there. He's in the, in the prime of his career. And so it's like, hey, man, I mean, I, they deserved it. You know what I'm saying? To, to put him in a better position, man. And so I'm excited. I'm excited about the NBA season. I think it's going to be great, you know, in the East. The East is just getting better. And uh, to see him pair up with someone like like Giannis and, and the core group that they have. Now, I hate it to see that, that Drew left. You know what I'm saying? I'm right. his, but he landed in, in a good situation as well, man. So I'm happy for him, too, as well, man. I think one thing that people forget is about peace of mind. You can be a, at, at, with the team and, you know, making, you know, X amount of dollars. Yeah, that's all fine and good. But if you're not at peace, you know what I'm saying, and feeling like you have more to show for the work that you're putting in, it's just not going to work. And I think that's basically what it, it came down to, man. Like, he wants to win. You know, he's putting in the work, man. And I'm not saying that Portland's not going to win, but he doesn't have that much time. You know what I'm saying? He's, like I said, at the peak of his career. Different timelines. Yeah. It's very, very important, man. So, I'm happy. I'm happy to see that for him. If he's happy, I'm happy. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. You mentioned Drew Holiday as well, going to Portland, then Portland to Boston. Does that make the Celtics the favorite? Who do you think the favorite coming out of the East is now? Honestly, man, I don't get into to favorites, man, because I, I think, you know, from the eye test and you look, okay, you say on paper this and this and that, you know, you still got to go out there and play. You know what I mean? And you can't, to me, how can you be a favorite when you haven't played a game? How can you be a favorite when you don't know if anyone is going to be healthy? You know what I mean? Like, that's just, it's too many variables, you know what I'm saying, for anyone to say, okay, this team is a favorite. Now, if they're lining up, you know what I'm saying, head to head, everyone's healthy. Then you can decide, you know what I'm saying, like who, who's the favorite. But I think both teams uh, got what they wanted. I think both teams are going to be a force to, to be reckoned in the East. And I would definitely put those as, as the top favorite teams in the East. But I wouldn't just say that there's one just favorite. But those are the, the top, you know, teams in the uh, East for sure. Now, you're saying there shouldn't be like a, a favorite till we see it for anybody but Denver because they're the reigning champions. Are you saying like that's? That's last year. We we on to this year. Got to prove it this year. 
Well, you know what? I think, you know, Denver, I mean, respectfully, yeah. I mean, until yeah. someone beats them, I mean, that's how I've always, you know what I'm saying, my, my mindset, right? you the champ until someone says otherwise. You know what I mean? And so they still hold that. They're going to do their opening night, you know, ring ceremony and everything like that. And kudos to to them and that organization, man, for, for what they've accomplished. Um, I do think that they lost some key pieces. It'll be interesting Definitely. to see how, you know, the uh, absence of Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, who was just not only what he was able to do in the limited role on the court, but just him being on the sideline, his voice, I think, was very, very impactful. So, I mean, but you know what, man? I mean, apparently the Lakers got something to say. You know what I'm saying? They ain't like all that chirping. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, like I said, I'm excited, man. I, I think it's going to be an incredible NBA season for fans to watch, man, and tune in. And I'm just grateful, man, to kind of sit back and, you know, get to enjoy these good games. Mm. Now, you mentioned that the chirping's kind of already began. We're getting to media day just started. Training camp is upon us. What do you remember about those days as a player? You know, for me, man, I remember being lonely. <laughs> I was the 14th and 15th guy, man. So everyone is off doing interviews and doing all these cool uh, things and action shots and stuff like that. And I'm just kind of like sitting around really, you know, lonely. But at the same time, it's so exciting because I got a really an opportunity to kind of take it all in. Like, wow, I'm in the NBA. You know what right. I mean? Like, it's one of those surreal moments. Uh, one of those moments where it's like, man, you know what? Tomorrow is training camp. You know, it just got real. Like, all that work and things that you put into preparation, you know, preparing for the season now is here. You know, it's like you go through this long season and then, you know, you either get out in playoffs or, you know, hopefully you win a championship. But then it's that period where it's that downtime. It's just like, you know what, man, I'm enjoying this now. It's like, you know what, man, I can't wait to get back, you know, with the team and you miss the brothers and everything like that. So it's just starting that journey all over again, man. So I think media day, you know, is just an exciting time, exciting time to be around your new teammates and maybe new you know, coaching staff. But for me, you know, it, it was lonely in that sense. I say that jokingly, but at the same time, man, it was just a surreal moment just to kind of sit around and just look at everybody else like, wow, you know, I've arrived. So, right. I guess, what was your offseason routine as a player? Because you mentioned some of it. And we hear about guys that are, you know, the day after the season ends, we see them back in the gym up on Instagram. We see guys take time to like rehab, recover, work on their body, some play other sports. What was your, off-season routine yeah man i mean everyone is different but for me i never really had the luxury of feeling secure you know mm -hmm. because my first three years in the league is like okay i made the hawks roster right but my contract wasn't guaranteed so it's like they could cut me at any time like any literally time. any day and i think that's different you know with sports you know what i'm saying versus you know the quote-unquote regular job you know what i'm saying you can get cut at any time and lose your job you know what i'm saying like you can get fired on your day off. And that happens oftentimes where <laughs> you on a day off and, oh, man, I just found out. I just been released. Right. So me during the summer, you know, I was in the gym right after, you know, our last regular season game, whether that was regular season or playoff. Like, I was in the gym, a gym rat, and I loved the gym. And gym was, was therapy, but also it was like, look, man, I got to work on so that next year, hopefully my contract can be guaranteed, you know, from the beginning, you know what I'm saying? If I have right. to do it all over again, I'm confident that know that, hey, I'll make it. So I worked out, man, all summer long, really didn't take off days. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll make a take a quick trip, you know what I'm saying, vacation. But even on vacation, I was waiting to do something. So, you right. know, that was just kind of like my mindset, man, just to always look. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. And so that's just right. how I approach the game, even in, during the off season. Is that just kind of how you've always been? wired like i feel like that's not something you get to the nba and then develop that's probably just the way you are right 
Right, right. Those are habits, man. And it's all about repetition. You know, when you make it to the league, you got to realize that you're an elite group. But for me, every single year, somebody was coming from my spot. I was the last guy to make the, the roster. So at the time, rosters were traditionally like 14, 15 guys. Mm-hmm. So if you're the 14 to 15 guy, you best believe the guy that if it was 16 or 17 guys allowed on the team, they coming for your spot. You know what I'm saying? So it was never, you know, uh, a feeling of being comfortable. You know what I mean? So I had to make sure that I was on point at all times, man. So that's why I wanted to continue to work on it. I always wanted to come back with something different to my game. Oh, he can't, you know, dribble with his left hand. Or, hey, you know what, man, he's not a good outside shooter. So I said, you know what, man, I'm going to come back and add, you know, these different elements to my game. So that, hey, that I can be more attractive. So in the event that I do get cut, you know what I'm saying? Other teams will say, you know what, man, let me take a look at him. You just never know when you're going to be put in certain situations, man, and you get that small wind up opportunity. You want to make sure that you're prepared. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was just my, my mindset. It was all about habits and things that I've done, you know, for years. And honestly, that's all I know. It's just work. And, and, and the, what they say, the proof is in the pudding, man. The work that you put in, you know, really allows you to, to accomplish and be what you want to be and do what you want to do. So I'd rather make that sacrifice now so that I can do the things that I want to do later. Mm. Now, see the, the jerseys behind you. you. You got the Douglas County, the Georgia Tech. Now, you county player of the year. How did you end up at Georgia Tech? Like, I imagine you you, you walked on there, but did, did you have some offers? What, like, what do you remember about that time? Yeah, man. So uh, uniquely enough, man, just quick story on that, man. Georgia Tech was the school, like my dream school that I wanted to go to. Uh, it was disappointing, man, because it's like all the recognition that I received in, in Douglas County, you know, being county player of the year, you would think that I would have had more local scholarships. I mean, you got right. more, you got Clark, you know what I'm saying? You got, you know, all these schools, even, you know, uh, Tennessee State, you know, that was the only offer that I had at Tennessee State. And my uncle was the assistant coach there at the time. And so I remember during my senior year in high school, we were playing uh, McEachern High School. At the time, they had what would be two future uh, first-round draft picks. They had Josh Smith before he went to Oak Hill, who was a sophomore, and they also had a guy by the name of Morris Allman who went to Rice University and ended up being drafted first round by the Utah Jazz, I think like 22, 23. Mm -hmm. And and I remember I had no idea that Coach Hewitt was in the stands. He was there recruiting Josh Smith. I went out like I played any game, as we just discussed earlier, you know what I'm saying, about just playing hard and, and you know, doing those things and the work that you put in and let it show for itself. And so I played the game like any other game, you know, not to say that I didn't miss shots and make mistakes, man, but I went out there, man, and gave it the best that, that I could do, you know what I'm saying, to my ability. Hmm. I had 32 points that game. Josh Smith had 26. But the way that I played, you know, and I remember, you know, moments, you know what I'm saying, of that game, just like it was yesterday, was that Coach Hill was like, wow, I came to see – Josh Smith, but this kid, Mario West, man, I'm impressed by him. You know what I'm saying? Who's offering him a scholarship? You know what I'm saying? Has he signed with anyone? Like, what are his top choices? And so he reached out to my head coach. Uh, shout out Jody Boystone. Um, he reached out to, to my head coach, you know what I'm saying, like the next day and kind of started that initial dialogue. And it was like, well, look, we don't have a scholarship, man, but how are his grades? And so that's how I was able to walk on because I had an academic scholarship, man, and fortunate enough, and then – you know, earned a scholarship after their first year, man. So the rest is, is history, man. So forever, uh, you know, grateful for, for Coach Hewitt, man. Shout out to my guy, Coach Hewitt, who's going into the Georgia Tech Hall of Fame mm. in about a week and a half. So got to get his just due. And you mentioned before, you know, Coach even saw you play a game. You said Georgia Tech was your dream school. Why? Man, honestly, it was, you know, I remember being in, I would say, middle school, 
And during the ACC tournament and SEC tournament, mm-hmm. you get home, you know what I'm saying? And you see like games on like, like 12, like one like all day, all throughout the day. And I remember, uh, you know, seeing this tall guy and this black guy and as a coach, you know what I'm saying? And I remember seeing just, I mean, you got to think Stephon Marbury, uh, Kenny Anderson, I mean, Mark Price, I mean, Travis Best, Dennis Scott, you know what I'm saying? Lethal Weapon 3, you know, Brian Oliver, James Forrest, like all these guys. I mean, it was just so much history, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, man, I always wanted to be somewhere where um, it wasn't like I was at home, but at the same time, I wasn't too far away from home if I needed to get home. You know what I'm saying? And Georgia right. Tech is, I mean, it had everything. It had the academics that I wanted. It had the legends who I've looked up to. They went there. You know what I mean? And then it was right downtown in the heart of Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, it don't get no better than that. You know what I'm right. saying? It's like I had that that idea, a vision of me, you know, putting on that uniform, coming out that tunnel, being on the court. You know what I'm saying? Just being on the same floor with my idols. You know what I'm saying? The guys that, that went and repped the, the gold. You know what I'm saying? Through and through. You know what I'm saying? Mulberry, man, it's like, man, that's – I used to get – believe it or not, I mean, I'm bald right now, but – Back when I had hair, see, Stephon Mar- Marbury used to get a, a, a part in the middle of his head. So, oh, yeah, dead center. Dead center. So sometimes I would tell my barber, like, make it skinny, but sometimes he would make it fat like a thick eraser. And he was, <laughs> that's a long story. Traumatized me. He put too much on it. I stopped getting those parts in the middle, man. That's probably why I'm bald right now. <laughs> Karma. Right. Uh, okay. So you get there your first year. Georgia Tech, like you mentioned, some very good players through there, but not traditionally a powerhouse. They make the championship game your first year. What do you remember about that? Just that season as a whole. Yeah, man. I mean, well, if it's okay, I want to back up, man, because yeah. the year before we had uh Hall of Famer, you know, Georgia Tech Hall of Famer, you know, NBA legend Hall of Famer, Chris Bosch. Mm-hmm. So Chris Bosch, you know, came in. We came in as freshmen together. Myself, Chris Bosch, mm-hmm. Jerry Jack, the Yoda's Tarver, and uh the 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 uh vanilla ice shooter, Jim Neistrom from Sweden. And so we all came in together uh, from, you know, as freshmen. And so then he left. And then fast forward, you know what I'm saying? We got the same team, but we don't have Chris Bosh, man. And I think, you know, for me, because I actually redshirted that first year with Chris Bosh. And then that was my first okay. year. Okay, so the, his first year that you were redshirted that. Redshirted. Yeah, so both freshman year. Got you. Full first year was actually on scholarship, you know, at this time. Oh, uh, okay. In that tournament run. And so uh, just incredible run, man. And we really, really shocked ourselves. We knew we had talent. But at the time, man, the ACC was a powerhouse. You know what I'm saying? That's when the Duke, the Bluebirds, the NC State. Carolina. You know what I'm saying? Carolina, yeah. you had, I mean, even Virginia, you know, like Maryland. Florida. You know what I'm saying? Florida State. I mean, you can go on and on, man. Every single night, you know, it was going to be a, a dog fight, man. So incredible run, man. Incredible, unbelievable experience. Now, you know, it's looking back in hindsight, it's like, man, do we really know what we accomplished? When you look at now people filling out brackets and how challenging it is. Uh, to to make it to the tournament, you know what I mean, and not only make it to the tournament, make it all the way to the Final Four and national championship. Right. Now I I didn't realize that Chris Bosh, you played with a lot of NBA players while you were there right. as well. Do you remember all of them, all the guys you played oh, with that eventually sure. played in the league? I mean, so you got Chris Bosh, Will Bynum, Jared Jack, Anthony Morrow, Thaddeus Young, Javaris Crittenton, Alade Aminu. Um, Luke Schencher, my, my, my seven-footer from Australia, you know, um, trying to think who am I missing anyone on that on that squad. Uh, 
the NBA. And yourself, I think that, yeah, that's the yeah, NBA. Myself, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, of course, you know, guys before, after, I mean, now, mm-hmm. come on, man, that's what we do now, Georgia Tech. We, we do some pros. But at the same token, man, we had some incredible guys that went on to have some great careers, you know, overseas. Ishmael Muhammad, who during mm-hmm. that time, no one could beat him in a dunk contest. No one was explosive like him <laughs> at, at, at dunking. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't even close. We had B.J. Elder who was an unbelievable two-guard, man. And these two guys, man, you know what, man? And I'm going to say this. And if it barring injury, they were league-bound first-rounders. Mm. No question. Got to shout out Anthony McHenry, who's uh, just finished, just retired uh, at 40, won like four or five championships over in, in Japan. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So we had a lot of guys, man, whether it was NBA, overseas, had a lot of success. And, you know, I would say out of that group, I would say over half of us, you know, got our degree, you know, too, as well, which mm. is been important as well man so again that's the coach lineage you i forgot ishmael muhammad what's the craziest thing you saw him do like in practice or just kind of messing around because i'm sure you've probably seen some either dunks from the free throw line or put back or him just messing around what's the wildest thing you've seen from him i mean well i mean you know what some of his some of the craziest stuff that he did actually was in practice like it Mm. wasn't during the game but I'm going to highlight one of the things, one of the many things that rather that he did during the game when he jumped over, um, I think, Atzer. I think he was a, he was a guard from NC State and he took off on the left side. And get, keep in mind, he's left handed. So basically, before Vince, what Vince Carter did in the Olympics, that's what Ishmael did in a college basketball game. Just you know completely over his head. Completely over his head. You know what I mean? And so he just did some incredible stuff, man. I remember like uh, free throw line. They didn't box him out. Drop step. Just. I mean, he just did some, man, just freakish athletes, six, six strong. I mean, yeah, it was like this every single time, what they do, what the young boys do when somebody gets Pat the head after you catch a body. Yeah, catching bodies. I mean, he should be locked up right now for all them bodies. (laughs) I was going to say, I remember him, like that was his number two, right? Yeah, number two, yeah. You can see number two coming down the lane and moving. What number you get when you flip a number two? What what do you get? You get the S. No, but you, you get a number. You kind of flip it. Think about it. A two, you kind of flip it. I'm going to help you out anyway. You get number yep. five. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the way that it is, is, is drawn on, you get number five. And that was my number in college. Got Got to shout out Ishmael Muhammad, man, because I actually participated in the slam dunk competition. Hopefully, I'm not, you know, moving forward. But no, that's no, the reason no. I won. I won the slam dunk competition because of him. You know what I'm saying? He how, helped me. How so? This, this routine, um, you know, I went to who arguably was the best dunker that ever in college. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can argue, but I'm biased. I mean, yeah, but yeah. He's up. He has to be mentioned. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, it's no, it's no question. Of course you got Jordan, you got Vince Carter used to do some, some sick things, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, he definitely in a conversation for sure. So how, how did he help? Like, what did he, what did y'all work on or what did, did he like give you ideas or he would do stuff then you would try How did that? No. So, so yeah, actually, he helped me. So the dunk that finished and won the slam dunk competition, mind you, I wasn't the best dunker. When I say I wasn't the best dunker, like there was one guy by the name of uh, Brent Petway that went to Michigan. They called him Air Georgia. Everyone had dubbed him the winner before the competition even started. Six, eight, long arms. I'm talking about freakish athleticism. You know what I'm saying? But I went in with the mindset like, look, man, okay. It's just like we play a game. You, I look across from you. You tie your shoes just like me. You put your shorts just like like. It ain't no favors. You remember when I said until we go head to head, that's just my mindset. So I didn't care about what other people, you know what I'm saying, said about him. But anyway, 
uh, the, the dunk that I won the contest was between the legs. Like, he helped me. Like, look, this is how you should do it. I didn't even know that I could do that. You know what I mean? The, the key to that dunk is all about time because you got to put it between your legs and hang in the air long enough. You know what I'm saying? And I did it off two feet. You know, some people do it off one, but I was more of a, a two feet jumper. And that was like how I got more of my power and, gotcha. you know, more of my lift. So he really just gave me the confidence, man. It's like, look, why don't you try this? Or he would give me honest criticism in terms of dunks that I was trying to do and help me tweak it. You know what I'm saying? That's what people don't realize. A lot of people have the explosiveness, but you still need to know how to dunk and how to make, you know what I'm saying, with the contest and stuff like that. You got to have a routine. You want to finish on the first dunk and everything like that. Right. But there's certain ways to jump to get the best out of your jump so that you could dunk efficiently. And he helped with that. So what year was that that you won the dunk contest? 2007. YouTube. YouTube. What year in college were you? But it's still, it's, it's still there. It took place over at Georgia State. You know, occasionally I go back, man, and, you know, I'm almost 40, but it's like, man, I wish I could still do some of those things. I miss flying. That's that's what right. it was about. I miss flying. I was like, you don't still get up like that? Uh, no, like you did no seven, man? No, man. You know what? And, and that's probably one of the hardest things is 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 coming to the realization, like, look, man, I ain't I ain't like that no more. That, that's not right. me. I'm still that guy. I'm just not that guy. Right. I'm a different version of that guy at this point. Right. So again, don't want to fast forward, but you you come in to Georgia Tech as a walk on. You voted team captain your last year. What did that mean to you? Man, it, it meant everything. It meant everything because you see, like how I started out as, you know, a walk on. You know, that's probably one of the toughest positions. You know, just being a walk on because it's like you're on the team, but you know, you're not treated. Everyone is not treated the same. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. being a walk on, like you're appreciated, valued, but. For me, it just shows, man, that nothing was just given. Everything was earned. It was, you know, a, a testament of faith. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that, that I have to mention as we're discussing this, man. God has truly blessed me, man. He gave me the fortitude and strength to say, you know what, man? Just like Moses and just like, you know, Joshua and some of the other people's, man, like, I'm going to promote you. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he gave Moses and said, look, man, you're going to lead, but you're going to lead with this, this, this rod, this staff. You know what I'm saying? And for me... It's like one day you're going to leave, but you're going to have to start here at the bottom. You know what I mean? And so it just meant everything for me to, to be in a position, man, to lead. And something that I took great pride in, just knowing where I started. And, you know, uh, the first year that I was team captain, we didn't do well in 06. But then my last year when we got Javaris and uh, Thaddeus Young, we mm -hmm. made it back to the tournament. And, you know, that was my last year. You know what I'm saying? That tech, man. And so, you know, really, really appreciate what, what Coach Hewitt has done and, the positions that he's allowed me to grow and trust in me, something like that. Cause that was huge. Cause you got to think, man, after 05, no more Will Byron, no more BJ Elder, no more. Uh, right. All those guys gone no on to more, the league. Yeah. No more Jared Jack. So it was myself and Theodis Tarver. We were the last of the Mohicans. <laughs> the only guys left. You know what I'm saying? We were the only guys, we were the only guys left from that 04 team, the national championship team. Mm. So yeah, man, that was, you know, an amazing honor to say the least. Mm. So at what point does the NBA seem like an option? Since the age of seven. That's when I told my grandmother who, you know, Alberta West got a shout her out, man. She was, you know, my everything. That, that was my rock. That was the woman that, you know, told me like, hey, that's your dream. OK, baby, I'm just going to I'm going to pray for you. And, and it's possible. You know what I mean? And so. For me, I never, even though, you know, I didn't get drafted, I wasn't on scholarship or anything like that. The thing that I felt like that I had mm -hmm. and that I, I owned 
was just my work ethic. I just felt like, you know what, man, I can jump just like these guys can. I can lift weights. I'm strong. Like, I just felt like I could do this. You know right. what I'm saying? And and what gave me that, you know, that, that faith and that courage, obviously, you know, my, my prayer and my belief, but just being in the moment, you know what I'm saying? And just seeing subtle things and stuff like that, you know, and for me, you know, it was really, really big that I won the slam dunk competition because that gave me like the more exposure. It Definitely. gave me the opportunity to try out for the Atlanta Hawks summer league team. And so I just always felt like if I put in the work and if I give it, no, rather if I've given an opportunity, my work is going to show for itself and you're not going to be able to deny. It. I might be delayed, but I won't be denied. Mm. You know what I mean? So that was just my mindset. Like it's things are going to come together. Things are going to work together for good, you know, on my behalf. So yeah, man, I just, it's like I said, since the age of seven, that was just, that's when the dream started. But when it actually started to become like more real. Yeah. When did it feel attainable? You're like, okay, like I'm a sophomore, junior, whatever. I'm competing every day with and against NBA guys, hold my own, working my way up. At what yeah. point are you like, I, I can get to the NBA? Well, you know what? Like I said, I've had small success in college, right? So you go from walk on, then now I'm get a scholarship, right? And I'm like, man, I don't know too many walk-ons that have made it to the league. You know what I'm saying? I just don't know personally. You know what I'm saying? I think everyone that's went to the league, you know what I'm saying, either high school or, you know what I'm saying, they went, they had a scholarship. Like, they were highly mm -hmm. recruited. So once I got a scholarship, it was like, man, okay, that's a sign. But don't get comfortable. Then I think that maybe it was that year or maybe the, the next year, I got most – so they used to do team awards. Guess who got most improved player? I got most improved player. So from a walk-on to most improved player being recognized – and then I remember one game I had like 10 points in the game or whatever. I was like, man, okay, like you can do a little bit. Like don't let nobody tell you. you like know it's what coming saying? together. It's coming together. And so then you fast forward to my senior year, you know, I had already graduated. And now I participate in the slam dunk competition. And then I win that. Man, I'm like, you know what? Okay. Then I get the invite to uh, try out for the Hawks. And it's like, okay, it's on. I already know what is, what's going on. I, I've been waiting on this moment. You know what I'm saying? I might not have gotten drafted. But again, mm -hmm. I might be delayed, but I won't be denied. So that was just, you know, me heading into the, the trial for the summer league. Yeah, as you mentioned, you're undrafted. What do you remember about the whole, I guess, the draft, like the combine workouts process? Like, did you think you were going to a team? Did you get any promises? Uh, promises? Were you surprised to be undrafted? What do you remember about that time? Um, well, I didn't get any workouts. No one called. No one even knew really? who I was. No, I, I did not get one single workout. Um, even now, like ACC four year guy, like no work. That's wow. Man, when I talk to my agent, me and my agent, you know, shout out Wallace Prather. We've had some some conversations, man. Just you know, I always thank him because he took a chance on me. Most mm. when you find out just kind of how things work, right? Most agents, right? Unless they're just starting up and they're just really really hungry, they want to take guys that's you know what I'm saying that kind of established. Sure. I wasn't that type of guy. I was the type of guy that you was going to really, really have to bust your behind. You have to earn your money. You know to earn your money. You know what I'm saying? And Wallace, you know what I'm saying, being an Atlanta guy, his dad, a, a legend, you know what I'm saying, that, that coached the Celtics and everything like that, man. Like Wallace is his family. You know what I'm saying? He's like, look, man, I got you. You know what I'm saying? And we sat down and had a conversation. And Chet, he's like, man, I don't care about that, man. He's like, you family, you went to Georgia Tech. So I'm going to rock with you. And I'm going to give you everything that, that I got. And so I'll say to say no workouts. Um, no one knew me, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't own any scouting reports, or anything like that, and that's something I wanted because I knew physically 
I would have tested well. I would have tested well with the 135. I would have tested well with the vertical and the, the, the lines, drilling lines and stuff mm, like that. Sprints and all that yeah. Competing on the five-on-five, five, even one-on-one, because I was more of a one-on-one player. I felt like if I had that opportunity, I would have shown a lot more. I would have opened a lot of eyes. But, no, that didn't happen. So, mm. boom, here comes the draft. I see two of my teammates who are freshmen. They get drafted. Thad goes uh, maybe 13th or 10th or something like that. He goes – you know, top 20 Javars goes like 21 or 22 to the Lakers. That went to, to Philly. And with the last pick of the uh, that draft, uh, was it Dallas? I think they drafted uh, Vernon Hamilton from Clemson. Before they made that draft, uh, that pick, I was like, man, I was just thinking. I remember being mm-hmm. on my, my parents' couch, and I'm thinking like, man, call my name, call my name. When they called, yeah. you know, Vernon's match, I was like, okay, they didn't call his name. Let me get to work. You know what right. I mean? So, so that whole process for me was, you know, it was just, it's just what it was. You know what I'm saying? It was a hope. It was a dream. But again, I didn't get discouraged. And I was like, again, I'm delayed. Mm. <laughs> I won't Not be denied. denied. No, I won't be denied. So. You get the Hawks camp. It is clearly going well enough. At what point there are you thinking? I can make, like, I, I think I'm gonna make this team. Interestingly enough about the Hawks, uh, shout out to the Hawks, man, forever grateful. Uh, Billy Knight was the GM. My second dad, my bonus dad, Mike Woodson. Uh, it's, it's ironic, man, just how God works on your behalf, man. Like, it's just so much gratitude and so much grace that's been shown and, and given and bestowed upon me for the people around me that God has put around me and just how things have aligned the universe, right? M.W., Mike Woodson, M.W., Mario West, Atlanta Hawks, local guy. Uh, I gotta say this first. My high school number, you see four, mm-hmm. you see five, uh, you see five, and you see six. I chose number four because of my uncle. When I got at Georgia Tech, I wanted number four, but Chris Bosch had number four, so they just literally give me number five. When <laughs> right. I get to the Hawks, I want number five, but Josh Smith has number five. They literally just gives me number six. And man, if that ain't divine intervention, I don't know what right. to tell you. But anyway, man, um, the Hawks Summer League, they actually had Brent Pitway, who I went against in the final round mm-hmm. of the slam dunk competitions. He was there trying out for the Hawks. So, you know, he wanted some get back. So <laughs> it was some immediate, like, he wanted all the smoke. So the first day, I did really, really well. I mean, when I say did really, really well, like the one-on-one drills, everything, like I'm active, I'm doing everything, right? The second day, man, I think I put too much pressure on myself. And I remember I was guarding, uh, shout out my man Earl Calloway from the Indiana, uh, went to University of Indiana, man, and had a long career overseas, man. One of the quick, had a quick first step. And I remember, man, guys were blowing by, just so uncharacteristic. I was out here looking like, man, like, he don't belong. Right. They were handing out, so imagine like 20 people trying out, right, for a summer league team, right? Every single day they're making cuts because they only want to take maybe, you know, 15, maybe 13 to 15 guys to summer league, Right. The Hawks had just drafted. Shout out to my guy, uh, Al Horford, who's still playing lottery pick. Mm-hmm. AC Law, shout out with one of my closest friends as well. Just drafted those two, right? So the third day, I go to my locker. I don't see that little pink slip, right? So is that how they was really doing it then? Like they, they, they pink like slips a, in locker? You have like a locker. So so say for instance with the Hawks, like they'll like uh, they'll tape over like Joe Johnson's name, Josh Smith. And then they'll write your name. You know what I'm saying? They just put tape over it. You know what I'm saying? Not the actual sign, but just so you know, that's your locker. So after the first day, I didn't have a pink slip in my locker. Good. Yes. The second day, even though I I played like trash, I looked, 
And then, you know what? I just, I didn't even shower or anything. I just went straight back to the, to the hotel to shower. I turned off my phone. I prayed. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was just like it's a long time for me to meditate. I was like, look, tomorrow I'm going to be a lot better. You know what I'm saying? I thought about meditating on all the things I did wrong. I should have did. And if I was to get in those same positions, you know what I'm saying? I was like, you know what? This is what I would do differently. When I say that third day, I balled out. Bruh. Better than the first day? Hey, man. What? You talking about a man possessed? A man possessed. I'm going to highlight uh, two things. Like I said, Brent Pentway wanted some smoke. I remember uh, it was a breakaway. So we, we doing like the blue and white game scrimmage. So mm-hmm. I'm playing against his team. And we just so happened that, you know, we, we would match up or whatever. But he went for a layup on a fast break. Instead of dunking it, he was on the right side. I don't know why he didn't dunk with all his, you know, athleticism, 6'8". I don't know. If maybe he was tired. I don't know. Whatever. I, he really thought it looked like he was by himself. Right. I come out of nowhere, pin it against the glass, recover the rebound, start the fast break, two-on-one, make a bounce pass layup. Like, I was just mm-hmm. making multiple effort plays. And so now I'm going to fast forward to after the practice – Shout out my man, Coach Fisdale, who, uh, you know, was head coach and now is an assistant coach with the Phoenix Suns, man. He said to me verbatim, I don't know what happened, man. We actually cut you yesterday. It was some kind of mix up or whatever. But, man, hey, you were by far the best player out here today. That's over AC Law, over Al Horford, over everybody. You were by far the best player out here today. And as a result, we have no choice but to take you to summer league. Go pack your bag. At that moment, man, wow. that was my pursuit. That was my pursuit of happiness uh, moment right there. You remember mm. when he finally got the job and he walked down the stairs and stuff like that? He clapping, you know what I'm saying, and kind of like you know tears and overjoy. Right, just emotions. That was, how, that was how I felt right then and there. Man, you couldn't tell. Man, I'm telling God has been good, man. So that was that was my experience, you know. So you good. you made the team. Yeah. You that what would you say? What's your welcome to the NBA moment? My welcome NBA, uh, welcome to the NBA moment was our first game, uh, playing the Phoenix Suns at home. Mm. Like I said, I didn't play a lot and people didn't know me, so you know, it's, it's some little terminology and stuff like that that I caught on quick, right? So when I got in the game, um, you know, Steve Nash and, and, and Grant Hill, you know, what I'm saying some other guys or whatever, and I only play like you know, maybe sparingly here and there, but like I said, I'm in the game already, you right. know what I mean? Like guard undrafted rookie already play, yeah. And uh they like mouse in the house. <laughs> mouse, what, what, what right? Where what you mean? Like, like mouse in the house. So Grant Hill basically like blows by me and scores on me, just easy, just like I mean, like it with nothing, right? So of course, a Woody is, is yelling at me, you know what I'm saying, and cussing me out like. Man, come on, man. I ain't put you in the game for that. That ain't what you you're on. You made a team, bro. Like, come on now. Right. So literally, right, coming right down for the next play. Oh, mouse in the house. We got to go back again. I was like, oh, okay. I said, nah, uh-uh. I'm the mouse. Yeah. I... It's right here. And I knocked the ball away. Then after that, it was like, okay, it's on. Don't don't get it twisted. Do not get it twisted. It's on. So that was like my, my first game, my first welcome, you know, to the NBA moment, man, that I'll never forget. Shout out to Grant Hill, man. Did he say anything after you knocked it out? Did he? Did he or no, they? Any right, 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 it was like the other players. You know what I'm saying? It's like, look, man, like go down in the post, man. You you got a little midget on you, mouse in the house. I'm thinking like, what? But yeah, no, it, it ain't gonna be like that. Like you may score, but look, you gonna feel this. Like, right, you gonna no. work for it. <laughs> when would you say you felt like you belonged in the NBA? You felt like you you like I belong here. 
um prior to prior to the games, you know, I felt like I belonged once I made the summer league team and I mm-hmm. went out and had success in summer league. You know what I mean? Like I, I always felt like I belonged. It was just a matter of proving that to others to recognize that I do belong. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. It does. I mean, even even working out, you know, with the guys, I remember uh playing pickup. This is before um, this is after you know summer league playing pickup, you know, with the guys and stuff like that, and guarding Joe Johnson and stealing the ball from Joe Johnson and and going down and I, I dunked the ball, right? Mm. Not only did I I steal the ball, go down and dunk the ball, but then they try to like throw a long outlet outlet pass. I run down, you know, 90-some feet and intercept the pass. It's like how did he just dunk the ball? How <laughs> you, you know what I mean? But um after that moment. You know, I steal the ball from Joe. He scores like six straight on me because he you know like, if you don't know who I am. If you just treat me like an average Joe, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm been known to 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 pick people's pockets, especially if you mm. if you kind of like lazy with your dribble and you don't know me. I'm gonna get it. I'm You're gonna knock it all the way. I'm gonna steal it. And so it was kind of one of those moments. And then Joe was like, "Okay, I see you got to You know what I'm saying? You got now, now. Let me let you know who I am. He scored like six straight on me. But afterwards, Joe was like, "Look, every single time we play, I went from being the last person picked." When we play pickup mm. to like the third and fourth, like, no, nah, I'm picking him because mm. you're going to guard the other person. You're going to save my leg. You know what I mean? So it's like, man, right. once I started seeing how the vets, you know, recognize, you know what I'm saying, what I bring to the table, it was like, yeah, man, I, I can do this. Mm. Who were some of the vets there? Because you were in Atlanta and, three years, three playoff appearances yeah. after that team was, I think they won Joe, 30 games. So, yeah, who were some of the vets you played with? Uh, Joe, Iso, <laughs> Johnson, uh, Josh Childress. My big brother and one of my best friends to this day, I love him so much. Uh, he knows how much I love him. Mike Bibby uh, was one of my one of my vets. Uh, Speedy Claxton. Uh, also, T. Lou. Uh, rest in peace to Lorenzen Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also had some, some, some young vets. You had like Josh Smith. You had Marvin Williams. You had Josh Childress. You know what I'm saying? But the older upper uh, vets, again, Mike Bibby, Jamal Crawford. Mm. Love him. Flip Murray. Love him. Like these were, you know what I'm saying? Some some guys, man. Shout out to Flip. Flip destroyed me, man, one-on-one. <laughs> Whatever. And what? Bruh. What Flip do to you? I've only, I've only been beaten like I stole something a couple of times in my life. And that's Will Bynum in college. <laughs> <laughs> Will had me playing. That was the first time that we would play like full, uh, full court one-on-one. Will Bynum and uh, Flip Murray, we were in Houston, and it was after practice. And I had been talking, you know, smack to, to Flip, like, yo, man, like, I'll lock that up. Yo, son, Flip got that DMX time. Yeah, all right, yo, son, all right, yeah, all right, get the ball, let's go. You know what I mean? And so we went head to head, man, and yeah, shout out Flip Murray, man, a bucket getter. What was it? You remember the score? Nah, I don't. I, all I know <laughs> is that I all I know is that I only got the ball like one or two times because it was make it take it. You know what mm. I'm saying? It might have been like 16-2 or something like that, bro. Like no cap. Like it was pretty bad. Uh, did you learn your lesson? Like you didn't you didn't talk to Flip anymore you know, like that anymore, that, did you? That was the the, the the okay, look, I'm not there. You know what I'm saying? But do it. That's that's my mentality. I think that's what separates me from other guys. It's like I don't care about that. I don't care about getting dumped on, crossed over, or nothing like that. Like, that's a part of the game. Because hmm. my mindset is, who am I? If Kobe right. scores on me, if LeBron scores on me, if any of these guys score, they score on everybody. Right. But if I take the ball from them, if I block their shot, or if I dunk on, how many people can say they've done that? You right. know what I'm saying? Like, me being a walk-off. So it's like, I was always betting house money. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had nothing to lose. 
So me having nothing to lose, I had nothing to fear. You know what I'm saying? Especially on the defensive side of me diving on the floor and doing things and getting up into guys. Like some guys like, man, I don't want to play too hard. I don't want to play up on, on a man because, you know, I ain't got nothing to lose. What my friends going to say? Right. Man, Kobe Bryant, man, hit you with a fadeaway. Okay, he does that to everybody. Yeah, he does that to literally everybody that's ever tried to go. Oh, like, yeah, so, yeah, that's kind of how I, I approached it. Let me ask you, as somebody who grew up around it, went to school in the city, and then played here, why isn't Atlanta more of a free agent destination for NBA players? I feel like guys <laughs> um, enjoy their time here. That's why. Respect. Come on, let's, 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 <laughs> come on, man. Come on, man. What, what we doing? What we doing in the studio? We're in the studio. We're in the barbershop, man. Come on, man. There's too many dis- distractions. Come on, man. Let's let's, man. People, man. People know. Uh, uh-uh, uh, uh, uh. Because what I've been told. If guys are married and stuff like that, they they like you going nah. You better tell your age to get you about it. Nah, nah, man. So it's being dissuaded because people they they work out here in the off season. They come like when they play, they get in early, they stay, go out, whatever, enjoy the town. But when it's free agent time or time to be here, nobody wants to be here. And I'm That's what I heard. I, I you know I, I don't know allegedly allegedly. Yeah, yeah, allegedly. For, allegedly. for me, honestly, you know, in, in all seriousness, man, it's a privilege to play in the NBA. You can send me to any NBA team. I don't care what's going on because the main thing is the main thing, and that's the play. You know what I'm saying? And play and perform at a high level and help the team win and, and represent, you know, the organization in the community. All that other stuff, it don't even matter. You know what I mean? And I think as guys get older and you mature, then you have a better understanding of that because it's really a privilege to play in the NBA, whether it's mm-hmm. one day, 10 years, or whatever. So for me, I'm a little different. I, I wouldn't care. But, you know, other guys, they have their, their reasons, you know, whatever that, you know, may be. You know, I just respect it. Hmm. Did you last question about Atlanta? Did you ever go out with Joe, Jay Smooth, like out out on the town? Yeah, yeah, man. We went out, man. I, I love that was one of the things that you miss most, man. We would go out, and when I say go out, it'd be some simple as dinner. You know what I'm hmm. saying? And I remember um, L.A. Um, right, we had finished our last like West Coast road trip, and uh, you know this is what bets do, right? Especially hmm. me being a rookie. I remember Joe was like, here, man, just take my per diem, $1,500. He just wanted me to grab his bags, you know what I'm saying, because he was catching a private jet, you know, off to do All-Star and stuff like that. But he wanted to make sure his bags got on the plane and everything. Because right. I was flying a regular plane. I wasn't doing a private jet. Like, no, nah, man, he just per diem. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, here you like go. But when we go out, you see, like, the football players getting pranked and stuff like that with the big tabs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I never had to, you know, pay anything like that. Like, them guys would take care of, like, look, anytime we go out, man, I got you. Not only do I got you, you got some people with you. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to make sure they're good too, man. So shout out guys like uh, Mike Bibby. Mm. Man, I remember he bought me my first uh, True Religion jeans. You know what I'm saying? That's when like <laughs> True Religion was in. Because, you know, at the time, even though I'm on a rookie salary, man, I don't know, you know what I'm saying, anything about this and, you right. know, my first Prada shoes and stuff like that, man. Zaza gave me my first pair. Like, I don't even wear, like, I don't think I, I told maybe one person this, right? Zaza wear like a size 16. He has some Louis Vuitton uh, shoes. I wear, mm. I, I plan a 15. My real size is 14 and a half. So Zaza was like, you want these shoes? What you think I said? Shit. Run that. Right, yeah, give them, I'll get some big yeah, socks. Or... Sliding in the Louis Vuitton shoes, man. But you had some Louis Vuitton I shoes, though. Shoes, man. So, yeah, man, shout out to those guys, man. I'm, I'm forever grateful, man. I, much love for those guys, man, how they treated me, man, and made me feel, you know, special and a part of the team, man. No, you, you wasn't down bad. That Dressing wise, was you? If everybody was chipping together, they you wasn't like in need of serious help, were you? 
or they were just being no, generous. No, no, no. It, okay. it was one of those things where I remember going to a um, a team function, right, event. And uh, it reminds me of, Be- I don't know if you've ever seen, I think it's the first Beverly Hills Cop uh, <laughs> where, where, he, where he pulls up and he's in a bit like cement truck and he's like, you know, valet this. So everybody's pulling up, you know, in a range or a Rolls or, you know what I'm saying, these luxury cars. Mm-hmm. And my contract ain't guaranteed. So I'm still driving my Crusader. That, that was that was, that was was the name. The Crusader was a Ford Explorer. Eddie Bauer edition, though. Eddie Bauer. Okay, okay. So a little something. So I pulled up to this function. Mind you, I got on horse gear. So I'm like, hey, you know, can you validate my name? They was like, no, you got to go park yours way down, not like a mile. I'm like, I'm on the team. Right. You know what I mean? So it was one of those things where I was trying to keep up. You know what I'm saying? It's just like little things. So I had to, you know, they got me a stylist. They got me some shirts and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like they just made sure that I was good, that I always had whatever I need. And those what, what real vets do. It's like, look, save your money. You know what I'm saying? I'll hook you up a few suits and, you know, a few nice things and stuff like that. Like, you know, like you can wait on that. You know what I mean? Right. I appreciate them. So. Mm. Now, I won't hold you too much longer, but I am interested to hear. Can you tell us about your, your current role with the NBA PA, like how that came about? What do, what do your duties look like? How's that going? Yeah, man. Again, I got to shout out God, man, how he orchestrated this. So I spent three years. So I retired in 2016, tore my Achilles, mm-hmm. going through that transition phase, man, or really the unknown and trying to figure out what's next for Mario West. Originally, I thought I wanted to get into coaching. And so shout out Coach Passioner, who was the head coach at Georgia Tech. And shout out Damon Stoudemire, who's now the current mm-hmm. coach at Georgia Tech. But at the time, Coach Passioner, um, he brought me on to his staff as the director of player personnel. And I did that for three years. And basically, I worked with the student athletes, making sure they went to class and study hall. And I also engaged with the alumni to keep them engaged with the program. But I did that. So the hope that I would elevate, you know what I'm saying, and, and get a offered a coaching position. But mm. it didn't happen. And so after three years, I said, I'm going to just take a leap of faith. I'm going to take a leap of faith. And I want to tap into some of these programs and the resources that the MBPA offers, which is a lot of different you know, programs uh, from career programs, coaching programs, player benefits and things of that nature. But I couldn't do that while I was currently work, uh, working at Georgia Tech. So uh, I remember I was just calling, man, um, like every other week, you know, uh, shout out Damon Wilkins, who's the um, my guy over at OTE, man, here in Atlanta, do, doing his thing over at OTE. At the time, he was working um, as a um, as a player rep under player programs. OK, and so he invited me out to participate in the uh, leadership development program. That's for guys that want to get into front office scouting. And then I also participated in the top 100 coaching program. Shout out to Purvis Short, Tim McCormick, you know, uh, for the awesome programs they run. And so that gave me the idea like, hey, the coaching program is like, look, I could do coaching, but you know what? I'm cool if I don't. The leadership development program is like, you know what? I'm a leader. That's who I am. I love having more impact, influence on guys. And what better way to have impact and influence than the position that I struggled the most, which was the transition. So I say that to say that this role was previously uh, the previous director was Antonio Davis. Shout out to OG Antonio Davis. He decided that, hey, he wanted to do something different. And so this position became available. So I went through the whole interview process. And basically one of the uh, the, the way that sealed the deal, I actually called Coach Woodson and asked him to do me a favor. I said, hey, do you mind calling Isaiah Thomas? Isaiah Thomas don't know me. We met once. And the reason that I asked him to call Isaiah Thomas is because I was actually fasting during this time, right? I had interviewed, and they said they'll let me know in two weeks, but it actually didn't find out until like a month and a week later. You know what I'm saying? That I actually got a job, so I had grew my hair out, so I was looking like home and clown. 
You know what I'm saying? Like fast, and like fast and just praying. But at the same time, I wrote on my a little board, I will be the next director of off the court. Like I was speaking things into existence as I'm doing this fast. And so Isaiah Thomas, I read that had he had signed with uh the MBPA doing a partnership with his wine, Sherlon. And I was like, man, he's already plugged in. So let me call Coach Wilson, ask him, will he call in and speak on my behalf? A day later, they called me and told me I had the job, and they said verbatim. Wow. They said, hey, you have some powerful friends. We have no choice but to give you the job, which wow. reminds me back to when Fisdale said we have no choice. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. how, how, you know, just God works, man. Shout out to Isaiah Thomas, man. That's my uncle. And we have a great – I can text him right now, you know, like this legend himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it was all through the relationship that he has with Coach Wilson. Like I said, I'm like his son, man, so – you know, I'm grateful for the people that have done, you know, anything, these, you know, guys. And so I say that to say that off the court is a transition program. We celebrate the careers of players, you know, that play, whether you play one day, 10 days, three years or whatever. We celebrate that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we want to help you build a blueprint for what life is going to look like after basketball, because it's the unknown. Right. At one point, everyone is going to be a retired player. And so we focus on helping guys through the main barriers that, that players face as they're retiring. And we group these barriers into five pillars, mental health and wellness, uh, financial literacy, physical wellness, career, and the brotherhood. Hmm. And so these number of resources that we have internally to help these guys, but then we also have a wonderful partnership with the Retired Players Association as well. And we work together to tackle this common issue. So it's not like there's competition, you know, right. between we work closely together, man. They do an amazing job with their activations during summer league, pre-draft combine, and the health screenings. Like all these things that I didn't even know about. So it's like now that I have access to this, we've done this partnership over the past four years that I've been at the MBPA, man. It's just been fantastic to get these guys because traditionally you see older guys, but now it's like, man, their guys retired 35, 36. Mm-hmm. Where do they go? Right. Well, they-, they have even more runway, you know, in yeah. theory. So I'm really, really excited about Uh, the work that we have ahead, but I'm also very, very proud of the work that we've done so far, man. And it's only going to continue to get better, man. So shout out to everyone over at the retired players, man, uh, Scott, uh, Cam, uh, Julio, just the whole team, man. Everyone is just, you know, just fantastic, man. And just grateful for everyone, you know, and what they've uh, allowed me to do in this role because they've helped me grow so much, man, because I didn't have some of these answers. You know what I'm saying? I can call them right now. Hey, do you have this? Can you give me a rundown or you know, I'm about to speak, man, and they pick up the phone right away, man. The same with, with Scott and Cam, man. So it's been great. I guess what's next for for Mario West and the NBA PA? Your role there, but also not. What's what's next for Mario West? Man, what's next, man? We got these, as you mentioned, there's gonna be drama in the NBA. Yeah, these games is what's next, man. And really just continue to build upon the brotherhood and continue to to reach as many guys as we can. You know what I'm saying? Because so many guys like once that you go through different phases, right? You retire, whether officially or unofficially, but then you kind of go through this period where I don't want to be bothered with anybody. Then it's like, oh man, I want to slowly kind of get back, man. So we just continue what's next is, man, continue to try to push the envelope, man. Putting together a, a formal program um, is really what's next that will start at the MBPA because we, we've done workshops in our office, but now we want to put together some year round where we kind of have like a revolving door of Five guys coming to the program. Right. You got to do X, Y, and Z to graduate from the program. There's a checklist of, you know, things that you should have, whether it's medical records from teams that you should play. Uh, you got a life insurance. You got a resume. Mm-hmm. Have you participated in one of our health screenings that the Retired Players Association, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many activations and things, you know what I'm saying, that we want to make sure that, that we're tackling and addressing 
but that's what we're kind of crystallizing and putting together. That's what's next right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really excited about that, man. And, you know, obviously the MBPA, man, that this family, the retired players association, that's family, man, it's just, it's going to continue to get better, man. Cause like I said, it's, it's all a team. It's all, you know, unified, even though we are, are separate, but we just to serve the players. That's what we're trying yeah, working to. Toward, I think everybody's working toward the same goal. Right. And last question, I'll leave you with, what would Mario now tell 18 year old Mario? What would Mario tell 18-year-old Mario? Uh, woo, long-winded. I, I guess in the short version, man, is to never lose sight of who you are at the core. You know what I'm saying? Like, you are a man of God. You're not perfect by any means. You're flawed, but you know who you are at the core. And don't, don't stray from that. You know what I'm saying? Don't let anyone try to deter you from being you. You know what I'm saying? You're a giver. You you are a person of, of faith, and you speak that. And hopefully when, when people... Uh, come in contact with you that they see that you know what I'm saying that they can like really 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 feel that uh, I would also say man um, you know as you build relationship that's probably one of the biggest things at, at you know what I'm saying at that age that you just don't realize until later the, the power of networking and, and building relationships that would be the one key aspect outside of what I just said is just build those relationships shake hands get cards follow up you know what I'm saying because you never know, like, I got this job through a relationship. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, you never know who may know who and how they may benefit you and then how you may benefit them and what that can turn into. Plant mm. those seeds early. Mm. Wise words. Mario West, thank you so much for stopping by the lounge, man. I appreciate you, man. appreciate you uh, for having me. Um, it's been an incredible, what, hour, 45 minutes, however long, man. I, just yeah, I, like- I didn't mean to hold you too long. I just looked up at the, the timer myself. Oh, but it's been easy, man. So I, I appreciate this, man. Thank you for having me. No, of course. You got an open seat anytime, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate it. Right. Thank everybody for stopping by the Legends Lounge, brought to you by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. Give us a follow on Twitter at NBA Legends Lounge. Be sure to subscribe and rate the lounge wherever you get your podcast. And we'll catch you next time.